Have you realized the elephant that has been exposed over the last month or so within a whole crypto space with this whole ledger incident? And I know it's not a very popular topic and it rubs people the wrong way and there's a lot of split opinions. And even when I release an episode about it, it technically doesn't do so well compared to the other episodes. However, over the last month or so, certain things have really come to the surface. And I think it's just important to address the elephant in the room. So I'm not going to do it as my typical episode, how I normally have the intro, the song and all that. I'm just going to speak and gather some thoughts and shine some light on some things that I think that you should be aware of and just really research on your own and see where things are going. Well, first and foremost, as we know, the Ledger team had the bright idea of coming out this whole Ledger Recover feature, which is supposed to be a $10 a month feature that would allow people to then recover their seed phrase. So this is supposed to be an upgrade to the firmware, and I did an episode on that. I'm not going to go on the technicals of that, but if you upgraded and opted into this option and paid $10 a month, you'd verify with your identification and so forth. You then have the seed phrase split up, sent out to these three different companies, double encrypted, if you will. And then it would give you the ability to get back into your wallet if you ever lost the seed phrase or lost access to that wallet. Of course, this put the crypto community up in arms because the whole premise of everything we've always operated on, if it's not your keys, it is not your crypto. That is Satoshi's white paper, and this is something that was really drilled into us from the OGs when we came into the space, that basically you do not want to trust these centralized exchanges because the centralized exchange is no different than a JP Morgan or a Bank of America or whoever, and they can seize your money through government funds, or they could go bankrupt, they could loan it out, do all sorts of crazy things, and you thought that your hard-earned money was safe, but it was not. So keep your keys, keep your crypto, these private keys is the only way that you can ensure that what you own is actually there when you want to access it. So Ledger always positioned itself as the champion for that. You have your own private keys and so forth. So of course that was violated once this thing came out because of course now it sparked the whole idea of a backdoor being there. And I spoke about all that and they even dropped the ball even further when they decided to go on this PR tour and just did a horrible job of that. But then they even went a step further and said, yes, if someone has this ledger recover feature, they had their seed phrases split up between those three companies and there's some sort of government subpoena, then yeah, they would have access to that. Now, of course, that did not go over well and that whole thing sunk like the Titanic. I mean, it just, just ripped through the crypto and NFT community and everything and it just was not good. So needless to say, they backpedaled really quick. They decided to cancel this feature or delay it anyways. So ledger recover is put on the back burner. If you haven't seen that over the last few weeks or so, that this is not something that they're going forward with now, which I think is the right decision. And again, if you listen to my other episode when I was speaking about that, I just thought it was a dumb idea to try to mix these two products together because the OGs that they were going after with Ledger is a completely different person that would be the newbie that needs these different things. So because of that, people are going back to the drawing board, trying to find all sorts of different things. And what we can see right now with the regulatory environment, with the SEC, Gary Ginsler and company going gung-ho after the crypto industry, this is something that is a matter of concern. Because if you're in a jurisdiction such as the United States, then you might have some crypto. And then let's just say that the government decides to go after that. Because again, if you do the research and everything, the SEC technically isn't the government. Congress is. But you know, they're a branch, not even a branch. They are basically a rogue agency at this point that is just striving for power and even overstepping Congress in many areas. But that is neither here or there. You can do your research on that. However, a lot of these other branches of government or whatever are just sitting back. They're not stopping the SEC from overstepping their boundaries and whatever. So if you're someone who is in the United States and you're concerned about your keys, your crypto and all of that, 
Well, this is a matter of concern because let's just say that it is deemed illegal to have Ethereum and it is one of those securities that is blacklisted or whatever it might be. Well, if you're not compliant with that, then this ledger cover feature could possibly be a backdoor into your wallet. Now, in the case of, let's say, for whatever reason, you might have some bad credit, you might owe to the traditional institution, your student loans or something of that nature, you know, down the line, this might be the type of thing that they could basically garnish your crypto just as they've garnished wages through court orders and what have you. So what if a judge orders them through this ledger recover feature to get into your wallet? Because you can actually track this stuff because a lot of people don't even realize that because if you have an account with a Coinbase, a Kraken, or any of these exchanges, well, you most likely did your KYC, depending on which jurisdiction and which exchange you're using, that you have your ID on record. So in theory, they can track down and figure out who you are, where those funds have gone, and so forth. So if they were to garner someone's wages or do a subpoena or do something crazy to try to get into someone's funds, a lot of people thought, well, crypto is the way that they could avoid that. Well, not with this ledger recover feature. So of course, this has caused a massive problem for the crypto community and everything. So a lot of people now that are a lot more advanced, they're going to other routes, going back to the paper wallets where you're writing down those complex digits of a private key and not even relying on the seed phrase and all that stuff. And they're doing all sorts of different things. There's other options that are out there. People are pursuing other open source wallets. For example, Trezor, which was my first hardware wallet. That is an open source wallet. Anyone can go on there, look at the code and see if there's any backdoors and what have you. That was the original Bitcoin hardware wallet and so forth. So that is an option. It kind of sucks. I won't lie when it comes to NFTs. I do have some of my NFTs that are protected by Trezor and it's tough. Some of these transactions are just absolute pain in the neck to do on the Trezor. However, even if you go through that, it still has the issue of just basically being Ethereum. Polygon, not a thing with Trezor, right? So if you send your Polygon NFTs to Trezor, you're going to have some issues. Now, I don't know if they're going to upgrade that down the line or whatever it is, but I'm just letting you know up front, it is not really the best solution for NFTs. So if you're just strictly trading the big coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so forth, okay, yeah, great. Trezor is a wonderful option. I love it. However, depending how deep you want to go down that rabbit hole, it quickly becomes not the best option. So one of the things that I've been exploring and trying to look at right now, which I see on Ethereum's list of wallets, and this is a hardware wallet, is the SafePal. I have never used it. I've never experienced it myself, but it's something that I am definitely researching and uh, considering getting just to see what it's like. It has a pretty good form factor. It is $50 for a wallet. Um, so that, that is something that might be a nice option. But also in addition to that, one that I've been seeing pop up, especially on YouTube, quite a bit, a lot of influencers have brand deals and sponsors with them. So, of course, you know, uh, take that with a grain of salt. I'm not one of them. However, I just want to put it out there to let you know that this is something that might be a viable option. It's called the Tangem Hardware Wallet. Now, just like the SafePal, this is not one that I've ever used, but this really caught my eye, mainly because the form factor of it is like a credit card. And just like you set up your Apple Pay and all those digital wallets, it is very similar. There's an app and you're using this card to use that tap to pay feature that you'd use when we're paying at a Starbucks or whatever venue that you're going to use that tap to pay feature. Well, that is basically how you're using that. So rather than having a hardware device that you then link up to a PC or whatever using Bluetooth or a cable, you're just going to tap it to the cell phone using this app. Now, this might sound problematic. First thing I'm thinking is like, well, what if that app goes down? What if it's banned from the app store? What if there's 
some sort of issues. The company goes bankrupt and they're not maintaining that app anymore. So how exactly does that work? That seems like a huge liability to me. However, for the research, I do see that it has open source code. So if the company does go down and the app gets pulled from the app store or whatever it might be, the community can then develop some other using the open source code that is up there on GitHub, which does two things. Number one, it allows people to sift through everything to see if there's any kind of backdoors or sneaky things going on. But also, it allows the community to then develop some sort of interface. Let's just say this company does go down, the app goes uh, disappears. So again, not the best solution, not a perfect solution, but it is another one. So there's multiple things that are coming out in the pipeline right now because the big elephant in the room really is if it is not your keys, it is not your crypto. And these solutions that we thought were so bulletproof, the NFT community in particular were champions for the ledger devices. And now it's like their their faith in it is just broken. The whole system is under question and what have you. And it, it just <laughs> really is disappointing as to how they handle this from a PR perspective. Now, this is not a huge shock to me because if you listen to any of the earlier episodes uh, when I'm comparing Trezor and Ledger, just search through the catalog, if you will. I have a lot of older episodes when I'm speaking about my Trezor and how I love Trezor and I prefer it over the Ledger. And the main reason why I said that I preferred the Trezor over the Ledger was because it was an open source system. It's not a closed proprietary system, which I have no idea what's going on there. What if the government of France orders Ledger to just open this thing up and the EU gets access to everything. So that was always a concern to me. However, I won't lie, because of the sake of the ease of use and the platform is just so much better and just much more user-friendly than the Trezor, especially with NFTs, because that is my main area of focus. Now, I have some crypto and what have you on my, my uh, Trezor device. And as I said, I like it. But it is a headache when it comes to doing a lot of NFT transactions, signing with OpenSea and doing all these different things, even to connect to uh, the Bulls and Apes project. I tried to do a transaction with that and it was it, it was it just was not easy. Like I just did not enjoy it. Um, I rarely connect this thing up. I rarely use it. I just have some things stored on it. I send things to it. However, when I did, it really wasn't the best experience. So. Going forward, I don't know exactly what we're going to do as a crypto community. I do know that getting your crypto off the exchanges is by far the best thing to do. But where to send it after that now? Are you going to send it to a MetaMask, which most people don't even realize has a large investment from JP Morgan Chase? Granted, they, just because they have an investment with them doesn't mean necessarily that they have any kind of influence of the company and whatever, but it's just something to note. I mean, who can you really trust these days, right? So we're trying to run away from the traditional banking institution. We're trying to have our own self-sovereign money, especially when it comes to Bitcoin. That is the whole premise of that, because if these currencies get printed off by these governments and what have you, and the inflation goes crazy and the value of them actually goes to levels where you need to spend a million dollars to get a loaf of bread or some crazy things like we saw after World War One in Germany, the actual dollar or local currency will be basically worthless. And that's what we're basically trying to avoid. We don't want our paychecks to be paid out in something like uh, Shiba Inu, where, right, where basically one token is worth virtually nothing. So cryptocurrency is very attractive in that purpose. But then when it comes to where do we store it? How do we store it? How do we access it? It is another problem. I mean, this is not an easy thing. So one area that definitely needs innovation and businesses, entrepreneurs to tackle some serious problems, it's easy way to store crypto that is fully self-sovereign, not relying on a third party, 
yet still being beginner friendly. Now, if you can provide all those features, figure out how to tackle that one, I mean, that is a multi-billion dollar company in the making because obviously it's not an easy solution, but when that problem does get solved, it will be absolutely revolutionary. So just some thoughts, things to keep in the pipeline and be aware of. Ledger cover for now has been canceled. The crypto and NFT community are looking for other options. Trezor is great, but not perfect. Tamgen is picking up some steam, especially with the help of a lot of influencers, but it is not a perfect solution. However, relying on that app may open its door to some issues. And the verdict is out on SafePal. I have to do some more exploring in that area. However, it's just important to note, you should take everything you hear with a grain of salt and do your own research. Because even I, if you notice, if you look in the show notes, I do have a ledger referral code, which I think gives me a 5 or 10% commission. So it's like a donation to the show, if you will. When somebody uses that link, the price is exactly the same for them. However, full transparency, I've said it many times on this show that I use Ledger, but I never thought it was a perfect solution. So with that said, I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, any solutions out there that you've been made aware of that are just absolutely amazing, especially if you've already used them. Please feel free to let me know at Tropic Vibes on Twitter or using the contact information in the show notes. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.